So you might be wondering, why in the world would we sing a jelly roll song at church? And if you're thinking, I don't know who Jelly Roll is, maybe I missed a breakfast dessert in the lobby, uh, you might be wondering, why would we sing a song in church about smoking and drinking? I asked Matt to sing that song today. As Jake said, we're in part two of our series called Broken. And I asked him to sing that song because that's how many of us feel when we're broken in life. Anybody ever been broken before? You know, we can be broken by all kinds of things. We can be broken by our choices. We can be broken by somebody else's choices. We can be broken by health issues or financial struggles, relationship loss. We can be broken by all kinds of things in this life. And when we're broken, sometimes we feel just like that song. Sometimes we feel like we're a lost cause. Sometimes we feel like we're damaged beyond repair. We feel like life has shattered our hopes and our dreams. And when we feel that way, we often have this interesting thing that we do. We reach for things that we know won't help, but we keep reaching for them. We reach for things like withdrawal. We reach for things like temptation. We reach for things that will keep us stuck, but we keep thinking, you know, maybe this time that thing will work. And we reach for it again, and then we feel guilty, and we struggle, and we wonder why we're so broken, and we say, I'm so broken because of myself, and look at me and the choices that I keep making. And then when we get to another spot where we're feeling just maybe a little bit better or maybe a little bit worse, we reach for the same thing again. Anybody know what the definition of that is when you're doing the same thing over and over again, looking for something different? Yeah, insanity. You've been there before. I've been there before. I've reached for some of those same things over and over again. One of the things that often gets broken first when we are broken is our emotions. We feel depressed. We can feel hopeless. We can feel angry. We can feel anxious. And uh, anybody ever had broken emotions before? Okay, number of us. Now, if you know what it's like to feel broken emotions, you aren't alone. There are millions of people around the world who are experiencing that right now. And it's interesting, as you read scripture, there are a whole lot of people in scripture who were broken. A whole lot of people who understood what it was like to have broken emotions. And if you know what that's like, you can identify probably with one of the earliest stories in the Bible that has ever been recorded. And it is believed that Job was one of the first stories in the Bible to be written down. And if you're new to the Bible, you might look at that word and say like, wow, there's a book in the Bible about work. It, it's not called Job, it's called Job. And uh, Job has this interesting story. Uh, it, it's such an interesting story that if you are a Christ follower, you may have never read that story. Or you may have never wanted to read that story because you've heard about that story. You've heard what has happened to Job and, and you thought like, hey, I don't want to read that because if I read that, then maybe I'm going to go through things like that. That's a common fear that we have when we're reading something in the Bible that isn't all that fun to read. I felt that way for a number of years about the book of Job. If you aren't familiar with the story of Job, here's a quick summary of it. Job was a wealthy landowner. He lived in the Middle East. He had 10 kids. He had like everything that we would want. 
He's described as a blameless man who worshiped God, but one day God let him be tested. Let his faith be tested in a way that none of us ever want to experience. So in that experience, Job lost everything. He lost all of his kids. They all died. All of his livestock was stolen. His wealth vanished in a moment. And all he had left at the end of that experience was boils all over his body and kind of a contentious wife. We'll hear more from her in just a second. So just imagine how you'd be feeling if you were in his spot, if you lost everything, not just like a few things, but if you lost everything, just think for a moment, like how would you feel in Job's spot? Listen to what Job did and Job said after that. Job 1 verse 20 says, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. I don't know if you're shocked at that response, but I'm shocked at that response. You know, I I see Job's response, and I I think, man, I, I hope that I would have that kind of faith so that no matter what God gives or takes away, I can respond like Job, but I've lost a fraction of what Job has lost, and I've not responded like that. Job's wife comes along in Job 2, verse 9, sees Job picking at the boils on his body with some broken pottery, and she says, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? I'd like to be married to her. Real encouraging. That's how many of us feel, though. Like when we're broken in life, that's how many of us feel. But Job responded to his wife this way. He said in Job uh, 2 verse 10, he said, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So Job trusted God no matter what happened. He didn't just trust God when he was the wealthiest landowner in his time. He didn't just trust God then. I mean, it's easy to trust God in those moments. He trusted God when he lost everything, and that's a whole other level of faith and trust in God that a lot of us struggle to ever get to. In Job chapter 2, three of Job's friends came along to comfort him, and verse 12 tells us that when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. So wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights, and no one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. It's one of the most powerful things that we can do for someone when they're broken, is to just zip our lips be silent, be present, and pray for them in their grief. It's one of the most powerful things that we can do. But we struggle with that because we struggle with other people's painful moments. We get uncomfortable when other people are painful. So we come up with these, what we think are helpful things to say to them in their pain. And sometimes they come off kind of cheap. We say things like, Hey, if you would just drink this, if you would just eat that, if you would just pray this, if you would just believe that, you'll be back to normal in no time. 
And when that doesn't happen, we feel even more uncomfortable. And we start to think like, hey, maybe it's something wrong with you. Like, like maybe there's something wrong in your faith, so you should work on that because I'm so uncomfortable with your pain, so I just want to throw some cheap advice at you so that I'll feel better. Maybe not so that you'll feel better, just so I'll feel better. Even biblical truth given at the wrong time can be hurtful. And there is a time to give biblical truth. There is a time to give advice, but there's another time to just be quiet. Just be silent in someone else's pain. Be present. Pray for them. Just be available to them when they might need you. Now, Job's friends did a great job of that for seven days, but then they started giving him some bad advice because they believed a wrong theology that many people in our world today believe. They believed in retaliation theology. So retaliation theology goes like this. When I mess up, God punishes me. Or when something bad is going on in my world, it must be because I did something wrong And so God is punishing me because of that. There are millions of people around the world who believe that bad theology. That is not how God interacts with us. God is a good God. He's a loving heavenly father. He's not a punishing God. He does redirect us when we're off track in our relationship with him. That's called discipline, like a loving parent would discipline their kids. So God does that with us, but he's not a punishing God. He doesn't retaliate against us. But think about this. Turn turn that retaliation theology around on us. Isn't that what we do to God sometimes when he doesn't do what we want? God, you didn't answer my prayer when I wanted you to answer my prayer. You didn't do what I asked you to do when I asked you to do it. So you know what? I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to read my Bible today. I might not even go to church today. I'm not going to do the thing that you're asking me to do because why I am upset with you. I am retaliating against you. So we've got this really weird idea about our interaction with God and retaliation theology. And it's something that we hold on dearly, even if we know it's not true. It's not a true theology, but we practice it too often in our own lives. So Job's friends thought that Job had sinned. So when they started talking, they said, listen, Job, the reason you're being punished, the reason God's taken everything from you is because you did something wrong. So if you will just tell him, I'm sorry, if you'll repent, then God will fix that. And Job said, listen, guys, listen, seriously, I've examined my life. I've not done anything wrong. And they said, oh, yeah, right, Job. For 35 chapters, they argue back and forth. For 35 chapters, Job's friends say, you have sinned, repent, and God will fix this. And Job said, I have not sinned. You're accusing me of something I have not done for 35 chapters. Like if you're looking for an interesting argument to to read uh, later today, read those 35 chapters. While they were arguing, Job asked one question over and over again. He asked this question. Why? Anybody ever asked that question before? Like I have. Uh, Most of us have. And Job asked, God, why? Why is this happening? Why have I lost everything? Why did you let this happen to me? Why? 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 All of us ask why questions. 
You know, my wife and I have asked a lot of why questions in multiple broken moments in our lives. And about 16 years ago, many of you know this if you're a part of our church home. If you're new to us, you may not know this, but about 16 years ago, my wife came down with a chronic illness that she's battled for 16 very long years. And when we were on that journey, we asked a whole lot of why questions. Her health was taken almost overnight from her. She went from being an athletic, active mom of four to being in intense pain on a daily basis, walking with a cane, many days unable to get out of bed. It would take us about 30 minutes just to get her upstairs to bed or downstairs out of bed. There were many days that she would sit at our kitchen window at a chair while I would rush our four kids off to school. I would go to work and I would come home and she would be in the same spot at the end of the day. So on that journey, we went from doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist. We went to Shan's teaching hospital in Gainesville twice to see two different specialists. And we got no answers. Nobody could help us. It took two and a half years to figure out what Tammy had. And in those lonely years, we got a lot of advice from some well-meaning people. Just eat this. Just drink that. Just pray this. Just believe that. And I know they were well-meaning people trying to help us in that moment. And we tried some of the things that we were told. We did eat some of that. We did drink some of that. We did pray some of that. We did believe some of that. And God left Tammy in that spot. And so there were moments where some of that advice was painful. It hurt because we were doing all those things. We were believing that God could heal her. And in that moment, he had chosen not to. There were many nights that Tammy and I would be up around two or three in the morning with her crying, sometimes screaming in pain with our four kids in their rooms listening to their mom. And listening to me ask why. God, why? Why is this happening? Why have you allowed this? Why have you not given us any answers? Why has the medical community, for us in that moment, we felt like the medical community had failed us. God, why? Why can't we get help from any doctors? Why can't they figure out what's wrong? If they've tried some, some medicine, why is that not working? God, why, why, why? Why have you taken so many things away from us? For long periods of time, Tammy would sleep in a recliner. When she was able to sleep in bed, there were many nights I couldn't sleep next to her because any movement on the bed would send her into pain. So I would sleep on the floor or in another bed, close enough where I could hear. And we would ask, God, why? We are broken emotionally, financially, spiritually. Why won't you help us? We asked a lot of why questions. Here's something I've learned about asking why questions. Why questions often keep us stuck in our emotions. You know, when we can't get answers for our why questions, which is most of the time, we ride an emotional roller coaster and we end up stuck in places like despair or anger or hopelessness. Tammy and I rode that roller coaster for many years. 
with each new doctor, with each new appointment, we thought maybe this doctor will be able to help. And so we would start riding uh, the, the emotional roller coaster towards this place called hope. And we would start building hope. We'd go into the appointment, tell the, the doctor everything that we'd done, every other doctor that we'd seen at the end of the appointment when the doctor said, listen, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what to tell you. Good luck. We would crash on the other side into despair and depression. And we got so tired of riding that that we just stayed in despair. We lived in depression because it was easier than building hope and losing hope on the other side of that. It was easier for us in that moment. Some of you may know what that's like. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've, you've ridden that ride. Maybe you're riding that ride right now. Asking why often lets our emotions lead us, and that's not a good thing. You know, God created emotions, and they're a natural part of our existence, but when we let our emotions lead, we end up in some really rough spots. Has anybody ever followed your emotion to a bad relationship or something that you've regretted? Anybody besides me? Like a lot of us have. We follow our emotions, and in the moment we think, oh, this is going to work out so great. Why? Because it feels so right. And then on the other side of brokenness, what are we saying? Wow, I missed that one. Wow, like, like that was horrible. And then if we don't learn something from that experience, guess what we do again? The next time we jump on that roller coaster ride, we say, you know what? Why am I doing this thing that other people tell me I shouldn't do? Why? Because it feels so right. It's going to work this time. And then we crash on the other side. And if we don't ever learn what we need to learn, we stay on that roller coaster and we end up being broken in life way more than we need to be broken. So we shouldn't follow our emotions. We should actually lead our emotions to what God wants us to learn from those painful experiences. And that's challenging. It's hard to lead our emotions. But here's one way that we can do that. One of my friends gave me some great advice about leading our emotions. He said, instead of asking why, we should ask what. When we ask why, God, why is this happening? We often stay stuck in our emotions. When we ask God, what do you want me to learn in this moment? There's all kinds of answers. It may take a while to learn those answers, but there's all kinds of answers because there's always things that we can learn no matter what we go through. There's always things that we can learn. Like maybe patience. Anybody ever need to learn patience? Like I, I'm, I'm sorry for you. You know, don't ever pray, God, give me patience. I pray that and say, God, give me patience and give it to me now. Like, you need patience? Wow. Like, you might have to go through some things to learn that. Maybe you've got to learn how to trust God more. Maybe you've got to learn this thing called forgiveness. Maybe God wants you to learn what it's like for somebody else to go through what they're going through so you can identify with them, so that you can comfort them in the moment of their pain with the way that God is comforting you. There's all kinds of things that we can learn as we walk through painful, broken moments in life and asking what can help us learn those things. So Job asked a lot of why questions, though. And he even did what I think some of us do when we're, we're a little brazen at moments and we get a little cocky maybe with God. Like Job got to the spot and he said, God, put me on trial. I will prove my independence or my innocence. <clears throat> I will prove my innocence to you. 
And you know, maybe you've been in that spot. You know, I've tried to do things like that. We're challenging God, uh, but I've not challenged God out of moments of innocence. I've challenged God out of moments of guilt and just being frustrated that God hasn't worked in my life faster than I want him to work. But, but Job comes along and says, God, put me on trial. I'll prove to you that I haven't done anything wrong. And imagine if you're in that spot. Imagine if you're, you've walked through what Job has walked through and you're frustrated and you're anguish. Like, you shout out to God, God, put me on trial. I want to prove to you my innocence. And imagine if God responded, not just in a still, small voice, not just through scripture, but imagine God showed up and God responded with a big, booming voice. So listen to what God said to Job in this moment. Job 38.1 says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, Job, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb. And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? Verse 19, he asks, where does light come from and, and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this, for you were born before it all was created and you are so very experienced, Job. If you've ever wondered uh, if God has a sense of humor, he does. And he's a little sarcastic at times. God continued to ask Job question after question. And then Job 40, verse 2, he asked, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You're God's critic. But do you have the answers? Then Job re responded, and he said, I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say. In chapter 42, verse 2, Job continued, and he said, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Amen. We talked about repentance last week with King David. And that repentance is often needed in our relationship with God. We start a relationship with God through repentance, saying, God, I repent of my sin. I invite you to be my personal Lord and Savior. We continue to grow our relationship with God through repentance. When we mess up in life, we say, God, I blew it again. And scripture is very clear. God pays very close attention to our brokenness. When we have a repentant heart, God listens. He steps in. He's close to us in those moments. And it's not because he's some you know, egomaniac who just wants us to grovel in his presence. That's not why God does that. 
God's looking for a contrite and remorseful heart. He's looking for humility, someone to be humble in spirit. And when we have that spot in our heart, God actually takes up residence next to us to help us in those moments of brokenness. But can you imagine how humbling of an interaction that would be between God and Job? Like if you were in that spot, Here's a really cool thing that happened after that. After that encounter, Job 42 says that God turned and confronted Job's friends for their bad advice. Like, wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love God to confront some of your friends for their bad advice? Like, that'd just be so fantastic. And God says to to Job's friends, you need to go to Job and ask him to pray for you so that I will forgive you because you gave some terrible advice. Love that. Job prayed for them. Then God blessed Job and gave him even more than he had before. And God gave Job more kids, more livestock, more wealth. And Job 42, 16 says, Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. And then he died an old man who had lived a long, full life. Here's an amazing thing about our God. He allows some things to happen in our lives so our faith can grow, so we can help others grow their faith, and so that God can reward us for choosing to do both. God rewarded Job in this moment. He rewarded Job for all that he had gone through. God will reward us as we fight to grow our faith whatever we go through. Those rewards may be experienced here on earth, a lot of them are. There are other rewards that we will experience in eternity, but regardless of that, God loves to reward us when we choose to grow our faith, whatever we go through. And the reality is for all of us, we all are gonna be broken in life. If you haven't been broken yet, you will be, and I'm sorry, you will be. Something might come tomorrow, might come next week, might come next year, might come 10 years from now. But at some point in your life, you will experience brokenness and brokenness creates an opportunity for us. So whether uh, we're broken because of something that we did or something someone else did or some random thing, God will use everything to test our faith and grow our faith. In each of those moments, we have the ability to choose whether we're gonna become better or bitter. We can allow God to work in us and grow us to be more like Jesus, or we can come, become bitter and stay stuck in our emotions. So we can ask God, why is this happening? And never get out of that cycle. Or we can ask God, what do you want me to learn? What are you trying to teach me? And when we do that, we can lead our emotions towards what God wants us to learn. So if you're broken right now, I encourage you to lead your emotions by doing two things. I encourage you to lead your emotions by asking what instead of why, and I encourage you to sing praises to God in your brokenness. And you might think, why would I wanna do that? Like, I'm broken. Why would I be singing praises to God? Well, singing will help us lead our emotions. And and listen to a time that Paul, the Apostle Paul, And a ministry partner that he had called Silas did that. 
In Acts chapter 16, it tells of a time that Paul and Silas were arrested. They were severely beaten. They were thrown in prison. Why? Because they were trying to help a poor young slave girl who was demon-possessed. Paul cast that demon out of her. And guess what they got as a result of that? They got severely beaten. They got arrested. They got thrown in prison. So Acts 16.25 says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were angry and complaining and asking, why, God, did you let this happen? They weren't doing that. I might have been doing that. They weren't doing that. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and all the other prisoners were listening. So Paul and Silas turned that broken experience caused by someone else into a worship experience. And they worshiped and praised God in that moment. And guess what happened that night? If you don't know that story, God actually set them free that night. Actually set them free out of the prison that they were stuck in. And guess what? Praising God in our moments of brokenness sometimes sets us free from the emotional prisons that we live in. It can set us free when we praise God in those moments when we're struggling to understand what's happening. You know, that's a crazy thing to watch people praise God in their brokenness, but I've seen Tammy do that. And some of those nights when we were up really early in the morning, Tammy would be in incredible pain, crying, and sometimes singing praises to God. There'd be moments that she'd say, Trent, you want to sing with me? And we grew up in church world, and so some of the things that, that Tammy were singing were hymns that we grew up singing together. And, you know, I would think, like, I haven't sang that song in like 100 years. And she'd start singing, and guess what? The words would start coming back, and we'd start singing some old hymns. There were moments I would say in my mind, I don't want to sing right now, Tammy, because I don't feel like praising God. There are other moments where I would sing half-heartedly. And as I would sing, I would watch Tammy crying in pain, singing praises to God with her whole heart. And I, I'm like humbled by that experience, going like, God, I'm feeling okay right now, and I don't want to praise you. She's in incredible pain, and yet she's praising you. Like, I, I feel like such an idiot right now. I am so impressed by my wife's faith. God has grown some incredible faith in her as she has led her emotions on a regular basis. She's not been stuck by her emotions. And her faith is so incredibly impressive to me. So if you're in a spot where you want to grow stronger faith, if you want to lead your emotions instead of following your emotions, you can do that by asking what instead of why and by singing praises to God in the middle of your pain in the middle of your brokenness. As we close today, we're going to have an opportunity for us to do that. We're going to end a little differently. As you heard, uh, was said already this morning that we're going to have a little different kind of a service experience today. So we're going to end with two songs today. The first song is Raise a Hallelujah. And it's going to be an opportunity for us to sing a praise to God in the middle of a storm. So maybe you're broken. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm. And this could be your opportunity to say, Lord, in the storm, I'm going to sing praises to you. The second song is called Exalted Over All. That's an opportunity for us to kind of look beyond ourselves and look to the one 
who should be exalted over everything else in the, our entire world, the one who has lessons for us to learn, the one that we should turn to and say, God, what do you want me to learn? Not why am I going through this, what do you want me to learn? So we're gonna have an opportunity today. And if you're in that spot where you're broken, you're in pain, like you're struggling with something, whatever is going on in your life, whatever has caused your brokenness, I encourage you to sing with all your heart or sing with half of your heart or sing with whatever you have to offer. And then I encourage you this week, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and look up our worship playlist. And I encourage you to let our worship team teach you how to sing praises to God in the middle of brokenness. So if you're not familiar with some good worship songs, there are some great worship songs there. And just go and listen to, to, to that on a regular basis and let it teach you how to praise your God. Now, I wish I could say this is something that I have learned and I'm teaching you, but guess what happened today? Tammy's had a bad few days. About 45 minutes ago, I left her in our kids' ministry crying in pain. And guess what I did? I grabbed her arm, I put my arm around hers, and I prayed, and the first thing I said was, God, why? And he said, that's not the question you're supposed to ask. So this morning, I had to lead my emotions to ask what instead of why. So I'm trying to ask what. And I'm trying to praise God in the midst of this pain right now. It's today. It's not 16 years ago. It's today. Maybe you're in that spot as well. So we can praise God in the middle of the storm. We can praise God in the middle of our brokenness. If you're in a spot where you need prayer, stop by our care center before you leave today. I'll be in the lobby. I'd love to pray with you if you need prayer. Some amazing people on our care team would love to pray with you as well. So if you would, I'm going to give you some freedom here. Uh, we're going to pray. You, you have the ability to stand. You have the ability to sit. However you want to engage these next two songs, engage them in a way that will help you take a step towards leading your emotions towards what God wants you to learn. So let's pray together. God, I wish this was a lesson that I had learned and was teaching. But it's a lesson, a lesson I am learning. I'm learning again. And Lord, you know those spots of brokenness for us are so incredibly difficult. And yet, God, if I go down the path that I want to go down, which is the path of asking why, which is the path of, of being frustrated and letting my emotions lead, I know I stay stuck. But, Lord, that's a path that I go down often. And you're inviting us down a new path, path of asking what, path of allowing you to teach us something new for us to learn. Lord, I'm so grateful to understand Job's story. And Lord, I, my heart is heavy as I read through that story. But it's so encouraging to know on the other side of that story, you are a God of reward. You love to reward us. And Lord, you reward us when we grow our faith. And sometimes we experience those rewards here on earth. Sometimes we experience them for all of eternity. But either way, you love to reward us. And so, God, I pray you reward some folks today. 
God, I pray that other folks would ask what? God, I pray that others of us would choose to sing praises to you and lead our emotions in your direction. So Lord, we're going to sing to you in the middle of our storm right now. I know that you're hearing that and you're available to us. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.